Let's read from 1 Peter 2, and uh, we're going to be making a major shift in the book. I'm going to reach back to, we see the book as salvation, then he goes into submission, and then he goes into, all through the book, it's woven, the suffering as a believer, and so we're talking about triumphing in a troubled world, and so... Peter, for two chapters, has been unraveling the riches of God's grace and salvation, and it's marvelous. I have to say, uh, it's, it's the kind of preaching I like to do. Uh, I started out uh, as what I would say a strong, exhorter, imperative preacher. I love to point the finger. You need to get with it. You know, do you understand? God commanded it, because I grew up around that. That was my roots. Get with it. Obey and do. The more I study the gospel and grace of God, what I really love is to talk about what he's done, because it's perfect. And you can't improve it. What he has done for us in salvation. Don't you love it? So I just soon stay in Romans 1 through 8 for the rest of my ministry because it's good news all the way, good news. But there are times in the epistles he moves to saying, you need to start acting like what he's done for you. Uh, as my dad would say, if you've got any brains, act like it. And it'd be like saying, if you've got any Jesus, act like it. When do you start behaving like what you've been given. And Peter's going to go into that. And so today I'm going to be really the theme of what I want to talk about is the gospel show and tell. And uh, let's pick up verse 9. But you are a chosen race. Now see, I love this because that's true of you even if you've been acting carnal. A royal priesthood a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may guffaw. In order that you may proclaim, that's tell out, announce, make public the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Do you get that? He, he's made you this, that you may become an announcer of this great God, who he is, what he has done. And you're going to, in particular, you're going to tell them about the mercies of God that took you from being a no people, uh, a no belonging, a no covenants, no salvation, just a perishing Gentile. And all of a sudden you find out, I'm included in the people of God. And he said, you ought to be telling this out. Look at verse 10. Once you were not a people, loami, right from the book of Hosea, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So be telling it out, announcing, I met a God that's been merciful to me. I met a God that's great in love, great in power, great inside. Everything I've got in verse 9, he gave me. Let me tell you what he's done for me. You know what that is, don't you? We used to sing a song, I couldn't keep it to myself. Huh? Can you keep it to yourself? You must not have got it. Those who get it can't be quiet about it. Right? And, and we have a guilty silence in the church. We're doing good if we can give a testimony at church, let alone at the job. But he meant for Christianity is a verbal faith, and it's a show-off faith. You're telling it because we've got a message. We've got to change life. Tell it. Tell it. Then he's going to tell us, show it. Show it. Those two truths. Now, he goes on. Beloved. I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. 
Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor even if he's Nero and he's going to kill you. Um, Three, really two main points. Christians ought to tell what God has done for them. And two, they ought to show it off by the way they live. And there's three ways they are to live that would show off this God three ways. We ought to tell about the wonderful grace of God. Christianity, we are disobedient if we go silent about God. I don't care what this culture is trying to do. It is pagans have always tried to shut the mouth of the church. Whether it's personal testimony, preaching, proclamation. Uh, And I think I I stay amazed at how many Christians feel good saying nothing about God. Uh, They're on Facebook all the time talking about something other than God. Uh, They're talking about this view. They got a view. It's amazing how much chatter goes on that has nothing to do with God. And shouldn't it fill your heart that I found mercy in the sight of God? I've become something I never could have become until Christ came into my life. I mean, that, nobody can take away your testimony. Nobody can, you know when you met him, you know when he made salvation real to you. And so he's saying, by the way, I took a bunch of cowards and I gave them the Holy Spirit and every one of them died as a martyr rather than to denounce that they know Christ. Now, do you have that same spirit in you? Yeah. And and so, do the people that you work with know that you know him? Do they know about the mercies of God? Do they know that uh, what a difference he's made your, your B.C. life, let's say, and now you're after receiving Christ's life. So he, he's telling them, uh, don't, don't be silent about it. I was out uh, to lunch uh, this week, one of our dear brothers, and uh, uh, God has just ignited his heart in this matter of evangelism and sharing, and uh, he was quite brutally honest with me. He said, you know, as I understand it, Pastor, if you're not witnessing uh, by God's grace and by God's power, you're just in sin. Well, I said, well, no, no. It's, it's probably they just don't have the gift. He said, baloney, I don't have the gift, but I've got the command. You know, I gave, gave in the offering, but I don't have the gift of giving. My wife thinks I do, but I don't. It's not my gift. I give out of obedience. I give out with a thankful heart. But I've not been nominated as having the gift to give me. You don't need the gift to witness. You've been commanded. How are you doing on fishing for the souls of people? Are we fishing? Are we fishing? I am amazed at how much Christianity has lived on sight around here. That some people think you're doing good if you just make it to church on Sunday. That is almost your Christian service. That is not, going to the filling station is not your service. You just got to get gas. 
and meeting with God's sin, saints to be encouraged, to be stimulated. Hey, that's just, but this guy is telling me about witnessing and sharing. He's got a little model. He calls it, uh, let's see, uh, sow a seed and pray each day. Sow a seed and pray each day. And then I added another point. It's going to be my second major point in this message. And besides sow a seed, how about sow a deed and pray? But you start with the gospel. Share the gospel with someone every day. And you know what's great? I needed this guy to give me a ride home, but he, he got caught up in the low-down business of soul winning, and he's talking to a guy 25 minutes about how to escape hell, and I'm saying, when will you give me a ride home? <laughs> Great burden for souls. I mean, he had tracks, he had this, that, and, and now he barbecues once a week in Rodale to feed the poor, just like Sean used to do. You know, what, what are you doing to get it out? By the way, we do have a lot of things going on on site that uh, we'll get to. We'll tell you about that. The second thing, besides being a telling faith, tell it, share it, preach it, get it out. Uh, they don't get saved by watching our life. They get saved hearing a message. They've got to hear the gospel. And matter of fact, you could be an imperfect person sharing the gospel and God will save them. You know, don't, don't give a character background on the guy that told you. Sometimes you'll be surprised. But if they've got the kernel of the gospel, God's spirit quickens that seed, and he can cause you to become a believer no matter how it came to you. God's been known for using donkeys, and he can use you. But I hope you're not a donkey. That's a little brutal, isn't it? Let's move on. I've just been called a donkey. Uh, well, not really. Uh, he goes on in verse 11. He moves on, and he says, I want you in the world to live this way. Three ways. I want you to show the world a spirit-filled life. Two, I want you... Uh, to show them spirit-produced works, spirit-produced works. And then thirdly, I want them to see spirit-produced submission. So let's, first of all, they ought to see a spirit-filled life. Why do I say that? Where do I get that? Because he's talking about not being subject to the lust of the flesh, that war against the soul. And the only way the flesh is ever captured or put under control is when you're walking in the Spirit. You've got to walk in the Spirit. You've got to be filled in the Spirit. Or else, man, the works of the flesh will be demonstrated through you. Look what he says in chapter 4. The kind of works he doesn't want them to be doing. So as to live for the rest of your time in the flesh no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. Stop it. You did enough of that when you were in the world. You did enough of that before you became a Christian. Don't go back to the hog pen. Don't. Look at what he says in Galatians, that when you're not walking in the Spirit, you'll know it every time. Look what he says. And he gives about four categories of the flesh. Pick up verse 19. The works, uh, Galatians 5, 19. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. You can see them. And he said in 16, if you walk in the Spirit, you will not do the works of the flesh. So the Spirit is the only one. 
The law, you can't make enough rules to control the flesh. We'll just break them all. Uh, rules won't change your life. Uh, makeup codes won't make, change your Dress codes, all this church stuff we made up will not change your life. It will not control the flesh. Only the Spirit-filled life walking in the Spirit. And he said, here's what it will counteract. This is what it will defeat. And then he lists, you're not under the law, but you're to be led by the Spirit. The works of the flesh are evident. First, the sexual category. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. Three categories of sexual misbehavior. Dirty mind, sensuous jokes, uh, sensuous around members of the opposite sex, outright immorality. He said, hey, that's works of the flesh. He'll deliver you from questionable sexual expression. He, it's right there, the works of the flesh. We know a person walking after the flesh, they'll probably say something dirty about sex. It won't take long. You'll know they're walking after the flesh. Then the religious realm. And you, the works of the flesh produce idolatry. And let me read the next word in the Greek, in pharmakia. Yes, you won't be doing idolatry. And you won't be doing drugs to get high because they took drugs or got drunk in order to worship Diana. And they had a goddess there named Bacchus, the goddess of wine. You had to get high to worship a heathen god. And he said, cut it out. Stop getting drunk. Get full of the Spirit. Don't be under the influence of drugs. Well, we don't have any of that, do we? Then relational sins, the way we think and act towards people, enmity, which is hatred, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. Have you ever heard of Christian men taking anger management classes? They can't get you under control if the spirit can't control it. Hey, take it all, the, all you want. Only the Spirit can control a hothead. Huh? Yeah, I'm a hot, I'm a real man. No, you're a real loser. You're losing. You're losing the woman you told off. You're losing your kids with your growling all the time. Even the dog can't stand you. No, no, no. The Spirit controls that temper. If you get under the Spirit, you'll get under some anger management. And all the men said, yes. Uh, and he goes on here, that's so convicting, is rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I haven't told you the whole list, he's saying. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do, and in the Greek it's practice, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Can people see love, joy, and peace in you? What is love supposed to stay with you? I love me. I love me. I'm spirit-filled. I love me. I love... No, I think you'll love me too. It's outward. It's not... I love me now. I'm spirit-filled. I only surround myself with mirrors because I love me. <laughs> no, no. You're going to love something outside of you. God, people, the brethren, and then joy. Well, I don't believe in emotion. Well, too bad. You don't believe in being spirit-filled. If you just think this is cognitive, you're dead between your ears. It's a true joy in God. True joy. It doesn't say you'll act insane, but you've got joy that's unspeakable. Peter said it. Peace. Are you the worry wart or the one with peace? Patience. 
And that patience means to hold out a long time with people. There's another one that means to remain under pressure, but this one means to put up with people a long time. How's your put up ability? Let me look at the text. Uh, kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Man, these are convicting. Self-control. I can't help it. It's the way I was made. Oh, baloney. We were all made rascals. When did you get off? I mean, this whole place is dangerous. I wouldn't want to be with anybody who thinks the Spirit could control you. It's dangerous to be around a bunch of Christians that are under the control of the Spirit. Galatians said they become carnivorous. That's dangerous. When sheep become carnivorous, it's dangerous. Galatians 5.15. Yeah, they're supposed to be eating grass, but instead they're eating up the shepherd. Oh, let's keep going here. Self-control against us things. There is no, and he goes on, and he's just saying, this is the kind of life the world needs to see you living. If you're walking in the Spirit, the flesh will be defeated, the Spirit will be on display, and the critics of the Gentile world that hate Christianity, that are putting it down, will be rebuked. Listen to what uh, uh, I see a reference here on the different attitudes towards Christians at this time. Let me give you a list. Uh, William Barclay gives them. In the beginning... Uh, they thought we were a part of Judaism, and, uh, and the Gentiles understood that the Jews hated them. They even had a, uh, uh, a folklore that went around that every year the Jews fattened up a Greek to offer as a uh, sacrifice because they hated the Gentiles. They hated the Greek invaders in their land. So the Jew was known to hate Gentiles, and now Christians are part of a Jewish movement. That's the way it started out, the way the Gentiles looked on it. Two, uh, with all their uh, slander, this seems uh, atrocious to us, but this is true. They accused us of cannibalism because of the Lord saying, when you take the Lord's Supper, say, this is my body, take and eat. And they didn't understand that to be symbolic, that the bread's a symbol of assimilating Christ, of getting Christ in you. They said, look at there, they're cannibalistic. They're eating the body of Christ. So they accused us. They accused us of being immoral because we had a love feast that used to take place before the Lord's Supper, and they made it a sexual orgy where you would get drunk with wine and you, you just would do like the pagan religions. Everybody's having sex in the place of worship. They say there are immoral bunch of morons. This is what the pagans were saying about the early believers. Uh, keep on, they said they were bad on business. And if it costs you money, it can't be of God. Acts 19, Paul's there. The woman comes to Christ, who was a seller of the idols in the city of Ephesus. The guy gets all the idol makers to protest, gets Paul arrested, and eventually winds up in Rome and is martyred. Um, they had so many things. They said it breaks up families because a family, a member would get saved, let's say a mom or dad. Let's say they were a Jewish home. Let's say they were a Gentile home. Everybody had a God they served. They served the God of sex, the God of prosperity, the God of crops, the God of children. They had gods all over. They were polytheistic. They were not atheists. And they said, hey, you've abandoned the temple. Uh, you've gone apostate. You've left uh, maybe one of the gods that we've been, your whole family grew up revering. Now you're serving some itinerant, uh, weird desert dweller named Jesus. And he's just like his crazy cousin, John the Baptist. 
dressing in camel hair and eating locusts. No, you're running with some crazy Jewish leaders. Oh, they had a heyday running us down, making fun of us. They're doing it today. You don't believe in creation, do you? Yeah, we do. You idiot. You're not educated, are you? You don't know Darwin came and is gone. Yeah, we don't want you. One of our men in the church, when he's doing his doctorate at Davis, he'd just become a Christian. Wayne Moore, he was about 21, 22 when he'd become a Christian. And then he went into the doctoral studies there. And the prof over that department asked him uh, some basic questions. And finally, Wayne said, well, I've become a believer in Christ. And the guy wasn't impressed. And he asked some questions. What do you think about creation? He said, I believe God did it. He said, I'm going to see that you take every evolutionary prop we have and going to put you through it until we convert you. Well, they didn't convert him. He knows God created all things. He knows it. Uh, so they were living through all these false accusations. You're immoral. You're irreligious. Uh, you're bad on homes. All of this uh, scandalous talk. And, of course, Nero in 64 A.D., uh, after he had set the city on fire because he wanted to do a whole remodel of the city, well, when the heat started coming down on him from the population, the scapegoat were the Christians. It's the Christians. The Christians did it. The Christians did it. So we were nothing but the scum of the earth. We were nothing but the slandered people of God. And so Peter knows this. And he says, let them see a spirit-filled life. Two, let them see some spirit-produced good works. Verse 12, look at what he says. He said that, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Day of visitation is a uh, questionable which way to go. Some make it a day of judgment. Others favor a day of mercy. When they see your good works and they start to see God's visitation to save and show mercy, they will glorify God. Thank you for the mercy that a brother told me about. When he visits them, they'll be able to glorify God. Uh, look at three places in the Bible. Look at Matthew chapter 5. Verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Did Jesus believe in his people doing good works? I was never taught good works. When I got saved, we stayed in church all the time so we wouldn't backslide. We were in church all the time, two or three times a week, revival meetings, church, 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 church. And we were not taught to do good works. We were always afraid of people because of the works religion. I'm earning my way to heaven. This isn't talking about earning your way to heaven. It's acting like a person that is going to heaven. And people that are going to heaven do good works. People going to heaven do good works. People going to heaven do good works. 
Faith alone saves, but the faith that saves is never alone. We do. Our, our people started hospitals, leprosariums. They could not get people to do leprosariums, but those who usually were Christians. We started all kinds, schools, Harvard, Princeton, my land. You read about the early profs at Princeton. You go back to some of the great men of our history, a fundamental, basically Presbyterian school that were Calvinistic to their toenails. And now they believe nothing that we would call evangelical Christianity. He said, don't put light under a bushel. And you know, we all at times curse the darkness of the Bay Area. Maybe that's why God put you here. If you'll quit trying to hide the fact you're a Christian, quit trying to hide what you know about God under a bushel, why don't you shine? Why don't you shine? Who needs the light the most? I can't hear you. I'll have Matt just put up a sign. Just quote what he says. Darkness. Look at James 2. James 2. Next block over. James 2.14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace. Can't you hear it? Go in peace. Be warm. Be filled. Without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. A faith that doesn't work is not a saving faith. Look at 1 John 3. This is what faith does. Now let's see what love does. 1 John 3, pick up verse 16. By this we know love that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, call the church and get an agape fund check. <laughs> no, it's if you see it. David, one time somebody used to always pull the... Uh, have the church meet it. One day David said, meet the church, me. Don't be saying the church. I thought you were a part of the church. You, quit punting. You, do you have the means to do it? Oh, I've never seen you this quiet in years. This is, <laughs> they, they might be awake. Let's see here. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, and that means, of course, you pick friends that have more money than you, <laughs> yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Did you hear it? Look at Titus. I know you're loving this. I can just see your fixation. Just keep hearing this convicting truth. I've been convicted. That's why I'm preaching. So you can too. Uh, look at uh, uh, 2.14, God who saves us. Watch it. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are too lazy to do good works. What does yours say? I think they finally looked at the text. Who are zealous, zealous to do good works. And that's something else. Look at verse 14 of chapter 3. Well, that's a little bit too quick. Let's go back to verse 8. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these 
things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to six, 14 and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. It's all over the Bible. Uh, I think of even uh, the ministry of this church. Okay, Let, let's, let's start here. What gets done around here that people who just love God, let, let's, uh, let's take the hospitality ministry. Okay, we got Jose there, we got Gene Schnabel, Gaylene, Tom White, other people. Did you know they all volunteer and we got a man in this church that buys the donuts? We, we, we want to strike it. We, uh, I, I think it's crazy we buy donuts. I don't think church ought to buy donuts. You're fat enough without them. <laughs> we don't need donuts. I said buy cookies at Costco or give them a mint julep. You know, come on, cut back. And this one guy said, no, 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 I'll buy the donuts. So you don't know it. Every week somebody buys you a donut. And I see those cheeks. <laughs> My grandson, I brought AJ to church with me today. He said, man, I can't wait to get a donut. I said, I thought you couldn't wait to hear me preach. <laughs> I said, you're kidding. I want a donut. I'm going to quit coming if there's no donuts. Uh, but a man pays for it. They haul them over here. They set it up. And you know what? doesn't get a dime. And I'm afraid probably doesn't get a thank you. But that's why we have it. That's why it exists. Uh, did you know we have Sunday school teachers and we don't pay any of them? Did you know the nursery is taking care of your child, changing their dirty diaper, and attending to them, no charge? And it's not a dumpy nursery. I, I wish my front room looked as good as that nursery. It's nice. Did you know we have security people that, that guard this place? Are you aware of that? I pull up uh, about 8.30 or 20 after. I don't care what the weather is, if it's raining, if it's cold, there'll be some security guy that comes here. I can't hardly go to the bathroom by myself. Security's all over me. <laughs> I mean, it's a luxury to go by myself, you know. <laughs> I mean, they, they, are, they are like this on this campus. They're watching that your car's not broken into. They, you know, people go to church lots and they break into cars. Isn't that crazy? We've got about, oh, about eight guys every Sunday morning guard the place. Crazy. Whoever thought we'd ever guard church property? Well, when they start walking into synagogues and black churches in the south and killing people off, we said, we'd rather have a guy that can pack and shoot than to lose our whole congregation. Amen. And some left us over that. They said, we can't go to church where men pack. I said, protect our people. Protect our people. But men volunteer to do that. Teach, sing, ushering. Our musicians uh, man, most churches of any size pay everybody that plays an instrument. Ask these people what we pay them. They're out here Thursday night or Wednesday night. They practice choir practices. See, we take so much for granted that somebody else is doing the good work. We got a whole, we, a lot of people come here because their kids are so well cared for, and I'd want to go here just for that. I want my kids in this youth group. I came and picked my grandson up here uh, uh, Friday night because it was a freak-out week, and uh, they had the kids there scaring the daylights out of them. <laughs> and as we rescued A.J., you know, his life has been altered. And, uh, you know, it was an incredible event. I didn't have any of that kind of stuff in the youth groups I grew up in. It happens because somebody's available to do a good work. Are you? God created you to do good works that he ordained. And the first one is tell that you found mercy. Tell how great this God is. Don't tell them all about you and how many drug deals you made. Tell them the deal he made at the cross. Tell them about the mercies found in this God. Talk about your God. 
talk about your God. Then you might throw in, and by that way, I was one of the worst sinners in the county. Oh, okay, good. But I want to hear about the God that saved you. That's what saves. I think we need to learn to find out good works we can do. I mean, we got people rescuing children. We got a couple just took on another child. They rescue them. They find out mama can't keep them, won't keep them. They said, we will. We refuse to let them be abandoned. What good works are you doing? He, when you get to the judgment seat of Christ, he's not going to evaluate nothing but wood, hay, and stubble. That you twittered everything. You trashed Trump. You trashed Obama. You got to be a political genius. Why don't you hush about politics and start promoting God? Because they're all going to crumble. They're all going to. Nebuchadnezzar, I'm sovereignly running the nations. I placed men up. I placed them down. Don't worry. I'm in charge ultimately. You don't believe that, but I am. Oh, me. This is so convicting. Let me move on. Uh, First Peter. Let's go back to that. Finally, uh, spirit-produced submission. Spirit-filled living. Spirit-filled works. Spirit-produced submission. And this word subject is the word submit. And, and do you see anything here that says be subject, women. Uh, be subject for submission is a feminist term. Conservative women have heard be submissive so much they sometimes want to throw up. Submission starts with the whole body. Ephesians 5.21 all the brethren and sisters submit one to another. What about James 4, 7? Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You see, submission is a term for Christians. It, it's, a, it's applied different ways. It'll be applied in 3, 1 through 6 about the woman's role living in a home where the man's not a believer. But it's not just a feminist term. It's not just for, it's for us. This is what the world ought to see. A man or a woman under the control of God, and when they are, what will they do? This is how they'll act. Be subject. What's the motive? For the Lord's sake. To every human institution whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Isn't that nice? Everyone? That's what he said. Be, uh, be kind. Be, uh, I, I think just be kind to everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Look at something that I don't know that in our politically charged atmosphere in the states now, Look at uh, Romans 13. We don't ever look at this passage. Uh, listen, let me read it to you, a Bible reading. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Right there, that just riles Americans. Don't you tell me what to do. Okay, I'll let an officer tell you. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. I had a young man come up to me after the first service. And said, Are you saying 
all authority? I said, that's what the text said. He said, you mean Hitler? I said, all authority. Uh, what about Herod? What about Pilate? What about Nebuchadnezzar? You know, Nebuchadnezzar strutted his stuff that he established Babylon, and God made him go insane to find out, I put you in office. All authority. Say, well, what about evil? Even evil. There'd be no Satan had God not permitted it. The kinds of rocks our theology, doesn't it? Because I thought I put in what I want. Guess what? God wins the election every time. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror of good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But, it, and remember, Paul was killed by Nero too. Same, same ruler. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God over and over, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also, everyone, amen this, pay taxes. <clears throat> for the authorities are ministers of God, taking my good money, attending to this very thing, pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, even if it is $7 every time you go across the bridge, <laughs> respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. We have been called to submit in the home, to government, in the church. I mean, a result, and let me ask you this. This is personal. Are you a submissive person? Or do you always have to be in charge? Do, are you, and I think a submissive person is teachable. Uh, they leave room for they could be wrong, but it would be a miracle. Uh, you know, there's just a different attitude. I am submitting. I, and, and this is what Peter's saying. Listen to me, saints. Listen to me, saints. No matter how great the salvation God has given you, if you don't live it out this way, the critical, judgmental Gentile world is never going to think you're credible. They're looking for the works of the flesh to be subdued by the Spirit's filling. They're looking for works that benefit and help people, not for self-promotion, for any other motive. And, and, they're looking for a person who submits to God-ordained authority. God-ordained authority. And so it's a checklist for all of us. It's uh, really show and tell. He's got it reversed, tell and show. But show and tell. Does anyone know you're a believer? I had a man tell me this week, he said, uh, uh, is it right not to witness to people? And he set me up with that question. I said, well, you know it's not right. He said, well, why aren't we doing it? Is it is a sin to disobey? I said, what are you trying to get to? I'm trying to tell you, Pastor, too many people at Valley are sitting on their hands and they never share the gospel with anyone. And neither do they do any good works that anyone could ever see. All their Christianity 
they think is in an hour and a half Sunday morning attendance and they say, glory to God, I just served God. You didn't serve God. You came in and were fed. And today maybe scolded. I didn't mean it. It just the text seemed to say it. So I'd rather tell you what you are in Christ than to tell you how you ought to act now that you're in him. But they're both, they're both part of the gospel. The gospel does not produce rebels. It produces obedience. And this is what the king, our king, he says, submit to the governor. Uh, come on, look at us Christians in this state. Did we vote for same-sex marriage? No, we didn't. Did it go in? Yeah, when the court undoes our vote. How many of you voted for marijuana? I, I see it, I smell her in your breath. Yeah, I know, I know. I know how you voted. I mean, come on, you've been praying for this for years. You know? Now I can do it and it's legal. Uh, there's going to be a lot of things that they can legalize that God would tell you don't. Be sure you're under his legislation. You remember what the Hebrew children said, king, O oh king, we're not going to bow to your idol. And whether our God delivers us or not, we refuse to bow. We have one God, and only to him will we bow. Don't bow. Don't bow. Don't bow. Submit. Submit. <laughs> Father, we thank you. You put up with so much out of us to get us to act like Jesus. And we can't do it unless you fill us with the Spirit. How gracious you are. You command, and while you're commanding, you enable. And so all of our obedience is a work of your grace and your Spirit. So we can't even brag on being obedient. Said God gave it to us, a heart to want to do what a beloved God has said. We pray. Let us do good works all this week. Let us sow the seed each day and do a deed each day and then pray. We want people to know Jesus. We want people to know Jesus. I thank you for these precious people and for such a wonderful turnout when I thought everybody would be on the road today barbecuing somewhere. We're glad they're here. Strengthen them. And we thank you for spare. I'm so glad, Lord, you didn't let us lose World War II. I'm so glad I'm not under Japan or Germany. I'm glad we're still free as a country. I thank you for so many wars you've rescued us from. Keep our borders safe. Keep our borders safe. I pray bring a solution to the southern border problem. Help those poor people at the wall that may have traveled all the way from Guatemala and are hungry and cold and desperate. Somewhere, somehow, may mercy find them and then give wisdom to know how to handle this issue. We love you, Lord. We want to know you better. Thank you for this gathering in Jesus' name. Amen.